Hello, everybody, and welcome to Allendale Market Talk Podcast. This week, I am being joined by Lee Waters, a Vice President of Crop Insurance at Farm Credit Illinois. Lee, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. So this time of year, and as well as October, it's typically timeframes that insurance comes to light. And it's one of the main focuses within the market because it is such a big part of farmers game plan for the year and you got February insurance pricing. So anyone that's a new farmer, what what's your go-to rundown of what the benefits of crop insurance are for them? Sure. So really what you're getting is, you know, you're getting a yield guarantee. So right off the gate, you know, you're, you know, depend whether you're new to farming and never farmed anything or you're you've got access to a yield history, you know, that you're sharing with a family member or dad or something, but no matter what you're doing, you're getting a percentage of a, of a, of a yield history that guarantees you at least, I know I'm going to get this many bushels at the higher of spring price in February or whatever October ends up. And, mm-hmm. you know, part A of that, you know, there's not a lot of industries that has a insurance type product that allows you to guarantee an income. Um, of course you got to sell it, you know, yourself, but at the end of the day, you're getting a, you're, you're getting a, a floor put in, but, but, I always try to remind people, and this is what I feel like for this year, it's also acting like a put in sort of ways that if the price declines into the fall, you know, then your revenue portion really comes into play. Uh, and that's really whether you're a new farmer or been farming forever, you know, this year, especially, I kind of got a little bit of that feel, you know, we've had a two year run here of great prices with good yields. You know, if we dropped a buck 50 out of this thing by fall, your federal crop is also going to be very valuable in that situation also. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely interesting looking back because I'm, I'm more of a numbers person myself. And I, I just ran through the last 10 years going back to 2012, or I guess it's more than 10 years at this point. But going back to 2012 with the numbers, and it looks like the corn insurance had a heyday of being very valuable through 2013 to basically 2020 is pretty break even. And then last couple of years, it's kind of, I mean, we've just had phenomenal prices, as you said, and it's kind of gets to that point where you kind of forget about what the importance of it is. And I mean, you look through and it look from what I'm gathering when there was a payout corn price, you got about 55, 56 cents from gathering of that revenue insurance from uh, February to October. So definitely comes in very great when you're got those more bad years. And when you have, uh, what's the current uh, running total for February pricing right now for corn beans? Um, As of yesterday, uh, we were, we're sitting at 595 for corn, somewhere around 1370 for beans, give or take a penny. Um, Really last year was 590 and 1433 so we're very similar or better than last year but three things really drive premium costs and so i tell people it's going to be what it is i mean the february average is going to end up where it is but the three things that drive it is price your aph and not necessarily your approved yield but what your the components of your entire aph is so like for instance there's different endorsements that you really come up with your approved APH and uh, one of them is trend adjustment that it takes older yields and increases them according to a factor um, yield exclusion throws out 2012 you're paying for these endorsements so some of that has something to do with that and then but the biggest part of premium cost is option volatility as the, the volatility factor that is built into into the premium and 
a big thing last year that was pretty high just for the mm-hmm. fact that uh, we climbed into that 590 territory, you know, from the f- low fives level. This year, we've been sitting at 590 pretty much for like two months. I mean, really give or take 10 cents. Mm-hmm. So what we're seeing this year, if we kind of hold where we're at, a lot of people's premiums are actually coming in somewhere between 10 to 20% cheaper than the year before for the same exact coverage because wow. the volatility is so much lower. And another thing, many people's 2012 histories have fallen off their databases. Mm-hmm. And so that yield exclusion endorsement that you had to pay for additional to remove 12 off your history, you're no longer having to remove it. So seeing some interest, I think it'll be a little more of a bargain buy this year, even than last, you know, last year we had higher premiums this year, depending on where we end up. Um, that's kind of where we're seeing. So um, yeah, a lot of that's driven into that, but that's kind of where we're kind of where we're at right now. So most most or all my customers have been saying pretty aggressive. Um, as I've told you the last two years, I've told my clients, if we haven't had a claim, you made money. If you mm-hmm. had a claim the last two years, you didn't do as well than if you didn't have a claim at all. If you didn't have right. a claim, you did better and you made more money that way. That's what the whole product's for. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. <clears throat> No doubt. That's very interesting to hear about the actual option volatility pricing perspective. It's, of- it's not directly related, but it basically is. There's a, there's a factor that is calculated the RMMA, but it is very closely correlated to, to option volatility. Yes. That's awesome. Um, so when you look at insurance, you have basically the two big ones, which are private versus subsidized. Can you run a little bit into the background of both? Sure. We'll start with subsidized. So this is all the products that every company offers. That's the same, you know, it's since it's got the subsidies and those are in, especially in higher priced, higher premium environments. Um, they tend to be probably a better value. Uh, you know, obviously your, your revenue products, your RPs, your YPs that use your APH, you know, and the higher coverage you buy, the little less ratio of subsidy you get, but it did a day like a, an 80% revenue protection policy enterprise units, you know, going off the top of my head, I think the farmer pays 42% of that premium. The government pays the other 58. That's probably a rough number. But as you jump to a higher coverage, you pay more of that coverage of it. So the total premium is a different number than what the farmers pay. Mm-hmm. Now, private private products and a real easy private products like hail insurance. Everybody offers hail insurance. All hail insurances are slightly different premiums by company, but those are non-subsidized. But when you get into some of the more interesting private products, uh, so the, the three categories of them are, are banded coverage products. Uh, that's one that gets you from higher than 85. 85 is the highest you can buy on an individual plan that's subsidized. So there are products out there that allow you to go up to 90 or 95. They all vary in premiums, but they all have a little different things going on with them in the background, little different rules, different what-ifs. Um, those have gotten a lot more expensive the last four years. Those were a pretty decent buy from like 2014 to 2018 when we had extremely low volatilities and low mm-hmm. prices. Now those have kind of ran away. I call them expense ratios, like what you pay for what you get. Uh, you know, a typical banded product nowadays that's not privately subsidized. You're typically paying probably 65 cents for a dollar of coverage, you know, where a subsidized product is not nearly that. So, for instance, if you were buying a banded product that gave you $100 of coverage, it might cost you $60 extra, $65 extra. Um, the other products out there that are subsidized, you can buy enhanced coverage option or margin protection or your two 95% subsidized products. Margin protection is passed already. That had to be done in September. 
but ECO, ECO is an enhanced coverage option. That does allow you to buy up to 95. It is based on the county that you live in, not yourself, but it is a subsized product and it has a little more aggressive expense ratio. For instance, you know, if you're, it may cost you $40 for $100 of coverage, uh, but the government's paying part of that too. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And you talked a little bit about hail insurance there. I know that just from listening from previous podcasts that you've been in, that it does cover more than hail insurance. Can you touch base on some of the broad aspects that would come Absolutely. I'm a huge believer in having hail in conjunction. So most of my clients take a multi-parallel federal crop policy and then in conjunction take a hail policy with it. So first of all, Hail pays down to the field level. So, for instance, if you have a thousand acres of corn and you have an enterprise unit, which is pretty common, the rates a little more attractive than an optional unit person, you know, field by field. You know, when you have a hail on an eighty out of a thousand acres, your your federal crop may or may not pay depending on how the rest of the fields did. But the hail goes down to the field, so it's not enterprise together. Uh, okay. But also, hail does cover fire. That's probably the main one that people don't realize. Um, if your combine catches your own field on fire, your hail insurance is your primary coverage for that, uh, not your farm owners or your liability insurance. Um, and your federal crop does not cover that either if it's caused by your by yourself. Only a natural occurring fire with lightning, but with lightning usually occurs rain, so that rarely happens. But mm-hmm. fire is a big one. Uh, vandalism and uh, you know accidental vehicle damage. So if somebody drives through your field with a pickup truck, you know you can put it in a police report. Uh, your most hail companies are going to cover that. Uh, stored grain is a huge one. So if you have grain bins, uh, you know the grain inside the bin from theft, you know, or or uh, you know fire, um, things like that. A tornado blew the bin over. Things like mm-hmm. that. It does not cover spoilage. That's always a question I get. But uh, but yeah, there's there are other things besides that. That's part of some things that hail cover. You can also add endorsements for additional costs. The main, the most popular ones are green snap wind and extra harvest expense coverage those are when you uh, that's for corn primarily uh view green snaps if it breaks off below the ear mm-hmm. wind is if wind is when you've got down corn they're basically working it after you've harvested they're going to see what you couldn't get with the combine right. ears on the ground and then extra harvest expense is when you've got down corn whether you're getting the ears or not but if it's slowed down your pace of harvest there's some specifics inside of the verbiage of how that pays but basically it's paying you a certain amount of dollars per acre for dealing with down corn. So it's absolutely fantastic. I, I like I said, just from hearing hail insurance, it, it definitely doesn't name wise tell you a whole lot, but that, that's yes. absolutely incredible how much it actually and is able to. Many, most companies, and I know the ones I write with, definitely you can purchase additional replant rider coverage. So mm-hmm. your multi parallel coverage, your federal crop coverage replant. Uh, typically, it's uh, for this year, it'd probably be around that mid 40s to high $40 per acre range, depending on where our spring prices come in at. Um, and uh, you have to have at least 20 acres or 20% of a unit to qualify. Many riders out on the market now will supplement that replant coverage with additional dollars, usually ranging from $50 to $80 an acre on top. And the big attraction of those is they trigger one acre. So many, uh, almost all my customers that take hail are also buying that replant endorsement. Uh, most people get free seed and things like that when they're having to replant, but it is a lot of time and effort. And, you know, getting an additional amount of money coming back for having to deal with that is usually beneficial. So, mm-hmm. And speaking of replant, there's, there's definitely some changes that have taken place uh, 
Oh, is it backing up or pulling forward the window for soybean replant or initial planting? Uh, correct. Yeah, spring the date earlier, and that's I'm not surprised that's been coming. I mean, we're seeing more and more of that. I'm in Central Illinois. A lot of guys in my Champaign County, where I live, have been pushing that bean planting window much earlier. A lot of beans now getting planted before corn. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said if it's fit to run across the field, you know, but you're worried about the temperatures going forward i'm very comfortable putting beans in corn in the last seems like the last 10 years corn has gotten a little more finicky about getting out of the ground it needs to be a little more perfect so uh for years and i'm going to talk champaign county um there's different areas of the state that have been reduced but where i live uh, i guess you could let's just say interstate 74 probably a good thing to think of for your audience but that area forever has been april 20th was the date if you planted beans any time before that you lost your replant coverage that's always a misnomer too you can plant before the initial plant date you're just losing replant if they come up they're covered you still have crop insurance coverage it's just if you have to replant them it's on your own dime so april 20th was the years was the date for a long time that is now april 10th so Think uh, south of Champaign County, let's say like uh, maybe Route 36. You're know, getting okay. into Tuscola. We're getting to Southern. They're now April 5th. And then I think as you're getting further south, like South I-70, it might be April 1st now. But even Northern Illinois, which is, you know, let's say like north of 24, all the way up to I-80, that is now April 15th up there. So most of these days got bought back to about 10 days from where they used to be. And mm-hmm. so, and that's, I think, just coming with the new agronomy, a new, you know, new farming practice. A lot of these people are pushing plant date windows early and early on soybeans. So. Right. And we've got the end of this 2018 farm bill coming, coming up. What, what do you see for the future in regards to future farm bills or even what to expect with the ending of this 2018 farm bill? Well, for starters, I doubt it's done on time. <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> it's going to be the 24th through 28th. So I would be, I would be uh, comfortable saying I would not be surprised if it's in 2025 sometime before it's finaled. And then not necessarily because there's any contentious debate. It's just the way things work nowadays. You know, especially if you got to split Congress. Uh, and that's actually not a bad thing. I don't think for debating this. I think I'd, I'd almost rather have a maybe some two parties in charge at once instead of having a single one when you're doing something this big. It seems like you'll probably get a little more compromise going on. But uh, mm-hmm. this last farm bill, you know, the big thing people are having to choose every year is the choice between ARC and PLC for their, tom- t- I'm sorry, Commodity Title One program. Um, mm-hmm. Both of those choices are very sensitive to lower price environments and that's why they were designed that way for years we did the direct payment program where we paid you know x amount of dollars you know every year flat payments by crop you know the title these title commodity programs are designed where plc pays if you're under the target price of 370 corn 840 beans you know i we're not in that environment right now but we were five years ago mm-hmm. um, corn uh, our county is basically using a five-year uh, olympic average of yield five of your county five-year mm-hmm. Olympic average of price times 86 percent um, also, um, that five-year average is what's dragging that revenue guarantee. You know, we've spiked up so f- fast in the last couple of years that those probably neither of them are really going to be a big play this year. Uh, what really your farm program choice this year comes down to is your crop insurance choice. And that is called supplemental coverage option. So SCO is a plan. You heard me talk about ECO earlier being a county product. 
Mm-hmm. SCO is a county product that takes you from 86% down to the level of coverage you're buying under your individual policy. So many of my 85% growers don't buy it, but if you're 80 or less, uh, you can use that to fill in that gap. And to buy that, you have to be in the PLC program. So for many of my growers right now, when we're making our decisions on crop insurance, that's directly correlating to what the farm program decisions are taking this year. Now for the next farm bill, it's hard to say what it's going to look like. I have a feeling you'll see some similarities. I've heard some grumblings about maybe making some fine tuning to the PLC and ARC programs, maybe changing target prices or or coverages. That's probably some stuff we may see, but you never know. They may have come out with something completely different. I think the main things you're going to see in this next farm bill, and this is just me purely speculating, is there are going to be probably some climate and conservation initiatives that are going to be probably driven more to the front discussion more than anything. Uh, whether you like that or not, you know, I think there'll probably be some, whether it's uh, incentive programs to maybe be planting cover crops or not, or doing different practices, carbon credit type discussions. Yeah. I have a feeling that may be something we see, but as I said, hard to say. Crop insurance wise, I think a lot of many farmers, even if they haven't got paid on this stuff in a long time, still wanted to, to be left alone. A um, little bit of discussions about maybe tying some, conservation stuff to crop insurance. They've already done that already uh, mm-hmm. a little bit with some of these uh, cover crop programs, but they're not forcing you. They're incentive plans that maybe give you a discount. Um, but there have been some talks about maybe some, uh, they call it uh, means testing, which means if you make over a certain amount of dollars per year, your subsidy is different than, so, than say your neighbor, but mm-hmm. uh, policing that will be very difficult. That's I've had a little bit of hearing about that, but I've, probably don't see a whole lot of big things but you never know and that's the whole thing about it it's always a but as i said i bet it's going to be 2025 before we even hear about what will happen with it so yeah yeah a couple other things for them to worry about right now but yeah that uh speaking of the carbon credit emissions that's been a big topic of conversation i'd be very surprised if that wasn't uh big points that they're going to be oscillating around in the next yeah go around I could say I think that's probably going to be the case uh, right now. There's, and I'm not super versed in this, but there are obviously companies that have programs available to farmers already, usually tying either to cover crop planting or tillage initiatives that they have some type of program where they're exchanging, you know, their practices for a value for that company to use a carbon credit. Um, you know, it's it's pretty. I mean that that industry right now is fairly in its infancy um, mm-hmm. i you know whether that becomes more of a big thing in the future whether the fsa takes that over who knows i mean there's just i have a feeling that could be coming in the future but it's hard to say right gotta get through congress and that's a problem on its own <laughs> right. absolutely uh so another thing that has been talked about more and more and i've been hearing more and myself is this whole livestock revenue protection and it seems like ever since uh, the tyson fire I've, I've exponentially been hearing more and more about it can you shed some light on that sure i'm not an expert in this but we do offer it actually in our association there's about 25 agents and we have a uh, we have an agent who just specializes in just selling that now which i think is a good approach this agent has a livestock background his name's John Stroll. He's out of Effingham. But really what LRP is doing, it's basically setting a floor price on a elected amount of cattle that you choose to set a floor on. Um, that price is, I think, generated weekly. Um, you can basically pay a premium that sets a floor that if that price moves downward over a set amount of time, 
that product would pay you. And if it goes up, it wouldn't. So it's really a subsidized put. Um, and what I see, I've got a few cattle guys that have been utilizing it. It's probably a less complicated, less expensive way of using that versus maybe using the board trade hedge. And so mm-hmm. if you're a pretty significant size feedlot operation, it is a very, uh, probably something to look at real hard, especially if you've been hedging, you know, when you buy, you know, say you buy 10,000 head, it's a pretty easy way to go in and lock in a, uh, a floor that, uh, you know, can move, if it moves down to the downside, it would have some benefit to it. So. Right. So basically what you're saying is stop listening to the brokers like me and just go to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But I'd say it does have some, it's, 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 it's one of many tools that's, uh, right. livestock's been kind of left out of the loop for a long time with insurance products, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we still don't have one out there for like corn and beans that uses yield and production. But, uh, you know, imagine, uh, a corn policy that just had price involved only and not yield. That's basically how LRP is working. Yeah. I think it's listening and learning more about it. I think it is an absolutely phenomenal product. And like you said, using all these different tools in tandem is going to be a great way about going about it. So it's definitely something to check out because I I agree with you. You're seeing it more so in the dairy markets. You're seeing it now in livestock ramping up and picking up. And there is a lot of options in order to make sure that you're protecting that bottom line because when it comes down to it, that's what we're all all here for is making sure that you guys stay in business. And that's what's neat about LRP too. You don't have to do all like when you buy, if say you buy corn insurance coverage in Champaign County, you're doing all or nothing with Mm -hmm. LRP. You don't have to do the whole pile of cow, the whole group of cows or or cow you have. You can do a set amount here with one thing and say you got another, uh, you know, a lot that you want to do some other position on. You've got a lot of flexibility with it. It's very open-ended. So, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of fun stuff. Um, so, thank you very much for joining us. It really helped shed a lot of light into the insurance side of things because when we talk to our clients here, obviously, a lot of it is related to the board and just getting that extra knowledge of the industry and how those tools can help farmers, producers, livestock uh, producers continue to grow their business and really protect their bottom lines the absolute best. So, thanks again for joining us. And how can people reach you there at Farm Credit? Sure. Uh, farmcreditil.com is our website. I'm, 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 out, I'm, excuse me, I'm out of the Muhammad office, but we basically cover the southern 60 counties of Illinois. Um, you know, we've got a lot of different good people in place doing crop insurance. That's all we do as on our side of business. So we have our, our lenders doing the loan side. Us, we're just doing crop insurance sales only. So we try to be specialists in it. Um, and then, you know, I know Muhammad office, our Phone number is 217-590-2222. I know you got a large listing space. You know, if you go to farmcreditil.com, you can find out real quickly what branch you have. If you are interested in contact with somebody that you can click that office and they'll have contact information for it. Awesome. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining me again. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good one. Today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lung being joined by Lee Waters of Farm Credit Illinois. Thank you very much for listening.